0: PTJ Podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. This podcast is sponsored by Healthcare Providers Service Organization. HIPSO is the number one provider of professional liability insurance for physical therapy and rehabilitation group practices, with over 1 million allied healthcare workers insured. Visit www.hpso.com for more information.
1: Compliance has become a major cottage industry in healthcare these days. The biggest concern that we have is will there be appropriate safeguards in the system. It's just not possible, I think, to really test through randomized trials every kind of thing that physical therapy does.
2: I think the key of a bundled payment system is going to be the maturity of the patient assessment instrument we're going to
1: have an opportunity to be innovative, to try new things. I'm very excited by what this may provide.
3: Welcome to this PTJ discussion podcast, bundling acute and post-acute payment. The Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, enacted in 2010, commonly known as the Health Reform Bill, includes a pilot project for bundling payment. Today, Dr. Gerben young discusses his article in PTJ's Health Policy in Perspective series with the APTA's Vice President for Government and Payment Advocacy, Dr. Justin Moore. And now, our moderator, Dr. Rebecca Craik.
0: Hello, my name is Rebecca Craik, and I am Editor-in-Chief of Physical Therapy. We are here today to discuss an article that appeared in a new PTJ feature called Health Policy in Perspective. This particular paper appeared in the May 2010 issue of PTJ, and its title is Bundling Acute and Post-Acute Payment, From a Culture of Compliance to a Culture of Innovation and Best Practice. I am joined today by Gerben DeYoung and Justin Moore.
2: Uh, Thank you, Becky. Pleased to be with you. Good morning, Becky. Thank you for hosting this podcast.
0: Thank you both so much. Dr. DeYoung is a Senior Fellow and Director of the Center for Post-Acute Studies, which is housed within the National Rehabilitation Hospital in Washington, D.C., The center's goals include providing leadership on major issues shaping organization, delivery, quality, and financing of post-acute rehabilitation. Dr. DeYoung received his Ph.D. in public policy from Brandeis University. He is past president of the American Congress of Rehabilitation Medicine and is the recipient of numerous prestigious awards. I'm extremely pleased that Dr. DeYoung chose our journal as a venue to share his thoughts on bundling. Justin Moore is Vice President of Government Affairs and Payment Advocacy for the American Physical Therapy Association. Among many activities, Justin provides leadership and strategy for the APTA's public policy agenda. Justin is involved in helping to identify and implement a public policy agenda that advances physical therapy practice, payment, education, and research with key audiences including the U.S. Congress, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, National Institutes of Health, and private insurers. Justin is a physical therapist who received his training at the University of Iowa. Thank you, Justin, for taking time out of your extremely hectic schedule to share your thoughts with us today. Thank you. I am so delighted that we're not here today to discuss the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. The 10 sections and 2,400 pages are well beyond our conversation. But Dr. DeYoung did find in this act the proposal to bundle acute and post-acute payments into one payment, particularly for Medicare beneficiaries. In his perspective that he wrote for us, he stated that this proposal has far-reaching consequences. So I would like to suggest an example. If an older adult sustains a stroke, episode-based payment would include all costs associated with recovery during the acute hospital stay, in the rehab facility, and at home. The episode-based payment will be based on evidence-based guidelines and what is done, not who does it. This approach will be multidisciplinary with different groups competing for the same episode-based payment. Dr. DeYoung, will you explain your understanding of what is being proposed in the bundling of acute and post-acute payments?
1: I think it's mostly uh, correct, Becky. I think there are a couple of things I would probably differ on. It's not going to be based on what people do, but more based on what the results are. And it's going to be a fixed payment depending on how the patient presents him or herself upon entry into the healthcare system for that particular episode. I think that was the only correction that I would make there. Okay.
0: So that's a fair example of what we're talking about in acute and post-acute payments?
1: Yes, I think it is, and I think what the legislation provides for is really a pilot study. I think Congress and many people were concerned not to go into bundling full force for fear of unintended consequences. We've had many examples in the past where we've made changes in health care policy or health care finance with all kinds of unintended consequences. Uh, For example, when we set up the prospective payment systems for post acute care, what we found is that we certainly contained costs within each of the settings, but we found people using multiple settings of care and thus indirectly increase the cost of care and unintended consequence, and therefore, what the legislation provides for is a pilot study under the Medicare program that would commence January of 2013, the secretaries provide a report two years later, and a final report three years later, and then, if the pilot is successful, it would then be fully implemented in 2018.
0: Justin, is there anything you would like to add at this point?
2: I think that was a great description of the provisions that were included in the healthcare reform law. I think at its basic level, bundling is trying to transform payment from what currently is a more volume-based system that is fragmented across different settings into a quality-based system that values the coordination of care and the patient outcome. And I think the key is also that this is going to be implemented in an incremental approach through this national pilot project. In the 2,400-plus pages of healthcare reform, the bundling provision is about six pages. And in those six pages, probably the most common words that are used are, as the determined by the secretary. So as we go down this path toward a bundled payment system, a lot of the details need to be filled in as how we're going to structure this bundled payment system so we get the objectives of containing costs and improving outcomes, but we also protect patient access and choice. Yeah, I think Justin got it exactly right, and there is a lot of flexibility
1: in the legislation and gives the Secretary a lot of discretion, and I think that's a very good thing because there are going to be some trial and error in this thing.
0: So, Dr. DeYoung, are you advocating bundling?
1: Well, I think it's actually a good idea, and I think the current system of fee-for-service volume-based system, as Justin put it, is really unsustainable, and it does result in poor coordination of care across the episode. We have poor transitions, poor handoffs, and right now what we have is people just don't go to one post-acute setting. They usually go to multiple post-acute settings, and this has been made very clear by a series of studies, one done by Andy Kramer and his group at the University of Colorado, and another done by the Research Triangle Institute under the leadership of Barbara Gage, and also we found this in a major study that we did on joint replacement care during the post-acute period, and what we were astounded by was not what was effective or not effective, but more importantly, what we found is that these patients basically use multiple settings of post-acute care, and we looked at the total picture and we said,
2: there's got to be a better way to provide this care. Justin,
0: is there a comment that you would like to make?
2: you know, APTA did not take a formal position of support or opposition to the bundling proposal in healthcare reform, but we did outline some basic minimum criteria that we would like to see as they begin to make this transition toward bundling system. I think the health policy perspective highlights many of the opportunities that will be at hand with bundling, such as reducing the regulatory burden, incentivizing innovations in practice, and a movement toward clinicians being able to maximize their expertise. And So the potential to get out of this culture of compliance and allowing the clinician to use their expertise is the great potential of bundling. I think the biggest concern that we have is will there be appropriate safeguards in the system to ensure that patients have choice, access, and the ability to be controlling their care inside the bundle and not subject to strict care parameters. I like to just follow up on what
1: Justin said there for a moment because every time we have a new payment system that has some downside, we try to make it up through regulation of one kind or another. And what's happened is that this regulatory regime has become, I think, enormously suffocating for providers. There are all kinds of rules in the system right now, and there's such an emphasis on compliance. Compliance has become a major cottage industry in healthcare these days. And if you look at any substantive healthcare organization, there will be at least one manager or leader or vice president has a title compliance in his or her title. That is something you just simply didn't see 10 years ago, and it really does add, I think, to the overhead of providing care in our system. And I think that too is unsustainable. Moreover, it makes people look backward, makes people look over their shoulder, it makes people very guarded, very defensive, rather than looking forward, being innovative in trying to search for best practice. And that's one reason why I've come to support bundling is because I think it can extract us from the culture that we now find ourselves in and really free up providers and therapists to think more creatively about how best to provide care and to really focus on the outcomes of care. The other concern that Justin raises is the matter of patient choice and access, and will that be preserved in a bundled system? I think in some ways, bundling inherently diminishes patient choice. I don't know of a good way around that part of the problem that I see is that right now choices are very limited to begin with because most patients will enter post-acute care under some duress. There's typically a short stay in the acute care hospital and it's very difficult, I think, for patients and family members to make informed choices about their post-acute care under such duress. I think it's different for the individual who's having an elective procedure done such as a hip or knee replacement. There They will want to think in advance where they want to get their post-acute care. But that's not often an option that's available to individuals who come into the system under some emergent condition or because of some duress. And I think it's something that I have struggled with for some time, and I haven't got a good answer for Justin's concern.
2: And I think that element of patient choice is going to be tough to reconcile, but there's a number of different services and a number of different chronic conditions that need to be bundled inside the continuum from acute to post-acute care. That's going to be the, the vexing issue in bundling is how do we achieve, where possible, patient choice and access? but also incentivize coordination of care and containing the cost because the real goal of bundling is to better manage not only the patient but the cost for the care that that patient receives.
0: And and so this is Becky. If I understand this correctly, with the merger over the past 25 years of smaller entities into healthcare systems, you can imagine that you can take care of the entire episode within that healthcare system. So you're admitted to the hospital, you go to that system's rehabilitation facility from their their home care agency that they own also. So it's all contained within one healthcare system, right? So when your ambulance, where does your ambulance take you? Does it take you to hospital X? or healthcare system, why? Is that what's going to happen?
1: Well, that's exactly the point. It's really hard to make that choice under that kind of a situation. And generally speaking, people don't even think about their post-acute care. The first thing they want to know is, how can I get to the emergency room of a hospital as quickly as possible to get the care that I need and to survive? And everything else is a bit of an afterthought. But I think Becky also brings up another interesting point. You reflected on it as well, Justin, and that is that increasingly what we're seeing is tremendous consolidation both on the provider side and the payer side and most markets into integrated health systems. And I think bundling will force that process along. What we're seeing is more and more hospitals linking up with other large hospital systems. Freestanding practices are diminishing. Increasing numbers of physicians are going out of private practice and joining networks or joining larger health systems or becoming employed by them in some form or another. And so we're already a lot of consolidation, and I think bundling will only accelerate that process.
2: Absolutely. One of the policy issues that we struggle with is that the whole coordination that's going on in healthcare, and the coordination doesn't necessarily equate to collaboration. It is a process that maybe helps facilitate it, but how do we link this consolidation in these informal and formal partnerships and alliances to ensure that they still keep the patient at the center and that they coordinate the care and not just consolidate for the financial benefits of the consolidation.
1: Right. And just let me add to that, too, is that uh, one of the real powerful incentives for consolidating is the payment system itself and how the payment is structured. I firmly believe that there needs to be a significant pay-for-performance component, and the metrics under which providers are going to be paid have to be really oriented toward outcomes that are not just related to survival and the elimination of comorbidities, but also speak to the functional status of the patient. And if we have the right outcome metrics and if we have a payment associated with that, then the upstream providers will have every incentive to make sure that the downstream providers are well included in the network and are used effectively. And so a lot of it depends not only having a bundled payment, but how that bundled payment is in fact structured and operationalized. So Absolutely. I, my, I think.
0: I'm going to interrupt for a minute and, and ask how does the physical therapist become part of the team? Who selects the group that's going to offer the care?
2: My perspective on that is there's great opportunity for physical therapists in this bundled payment system. If we are providing a way for patients to achieve higher outcomes and functional gains and remain independent. There's going to be an incentive for whoever is in the coordination role of a bundled payment system to utilize and maximize rehab professionals, including physical therapists. Quality and the patient assessment instrument become the fulcrum of where we have to balance patient choice and cost containment. And if we as physical therapists can continue to demonstrate our value to keeping people healthy and independent, we will be maximized in a bundled payment system.
1: Yeah, and I also think it will really enhance the role of physical therapy because if you look at some of the outcome metrics proposed in the legislation, they include things like functional status improvement, reducing rates of avoidable hospital readmissions, discharge to the community, reducing the incidence of acquired infections, patient perception of care, patient-centeredness of care. I think they're the kinds of things that physical therapy can really help facilitate in this kind of a bundling environment. Take, for example, the hospital that I'm associated with, which is the National Rehabilitation Hospital here in MedStar Health. What we find is we have a -a three-hour-a-day care, and right now, that's just rigidly provided three hours per day. I would like to see a system where you can modulate the amount of therapy rendered in a given day and do it in such a way so that these various outcomes can be maximized.
2: I think one of the key parts of the health policy perspective article was the professional autonomy part, and I think that really speaks a lot to the role of physical therapists in a bundle payment system. Right now, unfortunately, physical therapists are defined more by the setting they practice in and more by the payment system they're subject to than treating that patient from their foundational sciences and from their clinical judgment and reasoning. And so I think if we move out of that compliance setting and more toward the clinical decision-making, driving decisions, physical therapists will be able to demonstrate their value and provide services that will help reach those quality measures that are part of the bundled payment
0: system. I think another concern um, that I'd like to raise is that episode-based payment is supposed to be based on evidence-based guidelines. So to you two, do you think we have sufficient evidence-based guidelines to begin this and that those guidelines are really looking at an improved outcome over what we might currently see?
1: Yeah, I would say that the legislation does not say specifically that this needs to be based on any kind of particular evidence base. I do think that what will happen is that therapists will collaborate and providers will work hard to figure out what is, in fact, best practice to achieve that outcome. In fact, I make the argument in the editorial that in some ways a payment system based on outcome will foster to search for best practice more efficiently in some ways than can all the randomized trials in the world. And I say that in part because randomized trials have a long gestation period, uh, phase one, phase two, and phase three trials. It really takes a long time to get to that kind of evidence, but I think through trial and error, and if we work hard to really discover best practice, I think we'll get there faster in a sense. We don't have time for 10-year gestation periods to look at every kind of intervention that we do. It's just not possible, I think, to really test through randomized trials every kind of thing that physical therapy does. What I think this will do is provide the economic incentives for other providers to work hard, to collaborate, and to see how we can get the best outcomes, shortest period of time, with the most efficient inputs.
2: I agree. I I think that bundling has the potential to serve as a catalyst to drive us toward best practice and evidence. I think the key of a bundle payment system is going to be the maturity of the patient assessment instrument and can it accurately guide patients through this new methodology and care delivery system. And we are making steps toward those patient assessment instruments, but that really becomes the critical tool in these bundled payment systems to ensure that patients are getting the right balance of care. And that is what bundling is all about, is trying to get patients to achieve that right balance of care, diminish overutilization of services, but not drive with financial incentives toward the underutilization of services.
1: Yeah, I think the patient assessment instrument that Justin refers to is indeed, I think, a critical touch point. It affects how you're going to evaluate the patient upon entry into the system in terms of payment. It also will affect how you measure outcomes. And there is a lot of development going on in this area. Many of our listeners here are probably familiar with the care tool that's being developed by the Research Triangle Institute under contract to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. This is the first time that we're really to have a uniform patient assessment instrument that can be used across the different post-acute settings. Right now, we have a different patient assessment method for each setting of care, so that means that every time a patient goes to another setting of care, we have to do another assessment upon admission, another assessment upon discharge, go to another setting, again, repeat that, another admission assessment, another discharge assessment. So what Justin speaks to here as the critical role of patient assessment, and the instrument that we use is going to be extremely important.
0: Thank you. I think that's a very nice way to sum up. So I would like to say thank you both for helping us understand the potential for bundling. I see from what you said that we really are going to be working more as a team, looking towards the outcome with patient care in the center, not minimized in this new bundling system. So thank you for bringing up your points. I would ask if you have a final statement that you would like to make.
1: Yeah, I think the only final statement I would make is that I think we're in for a very exciting period in American healthcare. I think it's going to be probably the most exciting period in my 35 or 40 years that I've been associated in the healthcare world. We're going to have an opportunity to be innovative, to try new things. I'm very excited by what this may provide. There certainly are potential downsides. But I think that if we go into this process knowing where the potential downsides might be and really think this through very carefully, and if we do this pilot process, I think it can be very good. Now, I think there's still a lot to be done in terms of what that pilot's going to look like and how the CMS is going to actually administer the pilot. I have many thoughts about that, but I think that's another discussion. But I guess I come away hopeful. I come away excited, and I just think that we could be in for a great period of innovation.
2: I agree. I think we started this healthcare reform debate with more apprehension and even fear at times than promise. And I think as we start to understand the law, There's great promise for physical therapy and rehabilitation. The emerging themes of healthcare reform are very consistent with rehabilitation, that we want to provide patient-centered care that focuses on value, collaboration, access, and quality. So if bundling can help us achieve that, let's structure it correctly and make sure the right safeguards and right criteria are part of that to enhance value to the patients, improve access to our services, and move to better serve patients.
0: Thank you, guys. That was wonderful. Thank you again, Govan, for submitting to the
3: journal. All right. You're quite welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Send us your comments or suggestions about this or other PTJ podcasts via email ptj at scienceaudio.net or voicemail 626-593-7825. This has been a production of Science Audio, Online at www.scienceaudio.net.